So, quick quiz to begin. Uh, who thinks they're a good driver? Better than average, yes. I love that there are high school children here who put their hands up and said, yeah, I'm a really good driver. Because actually, actually, that's quite true because um, uh, you might have heard this before, but um, when you ask people if they think they're a good driver, if you ask people if they think they're better than average driver, you know, 75% of people think they're better than average, right? In other words, 75% of people think they're in the top 50%. We always think we're... Everyone thinks they're a better driver than everyone else on the road. That's just the way human nature is. You get in traffic, someone does something dumb, it's always their fault, right? You know what I mean? I was just doing the right thing and, and someone else did, you know, they drove too fast or they drove too slow or whatever. We all think we're better than average drivers. Let me ask you this question. Who thinks they're a good passenger? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Exactly right, right? There's much less hands go up. Um, my oldest uh, two children are 20 and 18, and that means that in the last few years, uh, our family's been through that whole learning to drive thing twice. And if you've ever been there, I see there are some older people kind of nodding, you know, you've been through that with your own kids. Um, if you want to know what kind of passenger you are, just get into the passenger seat with a learner driver, you know what I'm saying? It's just a whole new level of stress, isn't it? You know, the simplest driving manoeuvre now becomes a near-death experience. Uh, it's, it's, it's the way things go. Um, and there's not that much difference. You know, the passenger seat's just here. The driver's seat's only just over there. Um, but there's such a huge difference between being in this seat and being in that seat, particularly if you've got a learner driver or, you know, depending on who's sitting in that seat. And, of course, we all know what the difference is, don't we? The difference is control. That's the only difference. It's the same car on the same road. It's just your sense of control. Um, and, and, of course, I mean, what, this is not just true in a car, is it? It's true in so many aspects of our life. If we feel in control, then things are okay. If I feel in control at my job, if we feel in control at school, it's a good day. If we feel in control of our health, then everything's all right. If our relationships, if we feel in control of our relationships, they're going the way that we want them to, they are sort of where we want them to be, it's all good. You know, if our finances, our hobby, whatever it is, when we feel in control, we tend to go, life's okay, life's good. When we don't feel in control in life, well, the whole of life can seem like we're sitting in the passenger seat with a learner driver at the wheel. You know, the whole of life can feel a little bit tense, a little bit out of control, a little bit like I just don't know what's going to happen next. We're in a, uh, a series that we're calling Overcomer. Um, talking about the reality that many of us feel, in some senses, overcome by life. Overcome by fear, by doubt, by temptation, by loss, by failure, and by anxiety. By worry, by stress, by anxiety. For lots of us, life feels like, it feels sort of constantly stressful. Like no matter how hard we try, things never seem to get better. We always live with that sense of it's just not quite in control. There's, there's just worry and stress and anxiety at, at almost every turn. And in the middle of that is a Christian faith talking about words like love and joy and peace. In the middle of that life, 
uh, is the person of Jesus, who in some parts you might have heard him actually describe, the Bible in some parts describes Jesus as the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And in this series we're asking, are they serious? Like, is that even possible? You know, is, is this Christian faith, is this person of Jesus, is it actually able to affect the way that I experience worry and stress and anxiety? So this series is about exploring those questions, kind of digging uh, deeper into those questions. Asking how can we overcome things in life that seem to want to overcome us? And today, we're going to get straight to it and talk about how we can overcome anxiety in life. According to the Australian government, I'm reading straight off their website, anxiety disorders are the most common group of mental health conditions in Australia. And they affect one in four Australians at some stage in their life. That is an unbelievable statistic. One in four. And do you know what the most common kind of diagnosed anxiety is? It's not OCD, it's not PTSD, uh, it's not agoraphobia or any other sort of phobia. The most common anxiety is called, and again I'm reading straight from the, the government's website, is called generalised anxiety disorder. And this is how it's described officially. Generalised anxiety disorder is excessive, uncontrollable worry about a range of ordinary issues such as health, work or finances. One in four Australians will be overcome by worry at some point in their life and the most common cause of that worry are the ordinary issues of life. And now this is just my opinion. I'm not an expert uh, a doctor or anything like that. But I want to suggest that maybe COVID isn't the biggest health issue in this country right now that maybe anxiety and worry and stress are still the biggest health issue facing this country right now. And while diagnosed, sort of official anxiety can be triggered by a whole bunch of things, um, doctors will tell you that, uh, that in the early stages and at its base, worry is all, always stems from the same thing. Any kind of worry always stems from a lack of control. In the early stages, uh, that, that anxiety and stress and worry always stem from a lack of control that we sense in our own lives. And that's a problem because much of our life feels out of control, doesn't it? I mean, that's just the world that we live in. I don't know how my job's going to change next year. You know, once upon a time, people would tell you, jobs were just the same, you know, this year rolled into the next. It doesn't matter what job you do. Every job seems to be just beset by change, doesn't it? And you don't, you don't know how your job's going to... You know your job seems going to change. You just don't know how it's going to change from one year to the next. I don't know what I'm going to do out of uni. I don't know if I'm going to find a partner. What kind of partner am I going to find? For those of us who found a partner, are they going to stay? You know, can I, can I keep or am I going to become one of those uh, separation and divorce statistics which are also kind of going through the roof? I don't know what the doctor's going to say. I don't know what those, what, what those test results are going to be for me. 
I don't know if we're going to have enough money to pay all the bills. You know, house payments and car payments and holiday, you know the way it goes. I'm worried about the environment. People talk about climate change and these things. I don't know what's going to happen there. What's going to happen with COVID? Are restrictions going to change? What's that going to mean? The number's going to go up, the number's going to go down. You know, we have to keep wearing masks. All of these things, they just circle around in our minds almost all the time, don't they? And so we worry. That's the bad news. The good news is that as Christians, we believe there is a solution to overcoming worry in our lives. And the good news begins with the truth that worry is not a new thing. We didn't invent worry in the 21st century, right? Worry and anxiety seem to be a big deal all throughout history. They certainly seem to be a big deal in the time that Jesus lived in. And in fact, Jesus talked about worry, anxiety, stress actually quite a bit. Matthew was there one day uh, when Jesus taught quite extensively on the topic. And he remembered, I don't know if he took notes or he just had a cracking memory, uh, but Matthew remembered and he wrote down what Jesus taught. It's in uh, Matthew 6, 25. I'm going to read it to you. You can write it down or find it quickly if uh, if you've got a Bible. Jesus said this, had a crowd gathered around him and he said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labour or spin mean like, you know, spinning, making clothes. They don't labour or make clothes. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, famous king, uber rich, dressed unbelievably, not even Solomon in all of his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what will we eat? Or what should we drink? Or what should we wear? For the pagans, meaning the, the, the people who don't know God and don't follow God, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, talking about the food and the clothes and whatever, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, before we talk about what Jesus is saying, let's talk about what Jesus is not saying here. Jesus is not saying that worry isn't a real and an important issue. Never says that. Jesus is not saying there's nothing to worry about. Jesus is not saying don't worry because life's happy. It's all easy. Jesus is not saying, don't worry, because nothing bad's going to happen to you. In fact, Jesus' teaching here assumes that there are things worth worrying about. Do you notice that? His teaching here assumes that there are problems in life, there are things going to come your way that will make you want to worry. 
In other words, Jesus doesn't ignore the problems that make us worry. He doesn't pretend life is easy. What he does do is give his listeners a clear and specific basis for living a life without worry. And his basis is as simple as this. Jesus says, effectively here, God is in control. That's what he's saying, isn't it? When he talks about, you know, look at the flowers, he's saying God's in control. Now, you see, if I'm in control, then worry makes sense. Right? If, if the outcomes of things in my life are up to me, then worry makes sense because I can't control the outcomes of things in my life. Do you, you get that? You know, I can't control what my boss is going to say. I can't control what my wife or, you know, for you, what, what a husband or partner, I can't control what my wife's going to say or what she's going to do. I can't control what the doctor's going to say. I can't control what the doctor's going to find. I can't control world financial markets and, you know, how dollars are going to go up and down and all of those sorts of things. I can't control decisions that our government makes or doesn't make. I can't actually, now think of it, I can't control the decisions that anyone makes, really. And I worry because I care about some of those things. I, I want to influence those things. I care about the outcomes of those things. I care about what the doctor says. I care about what my wife says. I care about what the government do. I care about the environment, but I can't control those things, and so I worry. The outcome's uncertain, and there's not much that I can do about it, so I worry. And Jesus sees that. But Jesus also sees that at the centre of all that's going on in our life is a God who loves us, who knows us, and who is in control of all things. I mean, Jesus points to specific evidence in the world around us to remind us that there's a God who cares and in control. He's probably teaching outside, right? So when he's talking about birds and flowers, they can actually see birds and flowers in the moment, right? It's like Jesus standing there. He sees a bird fly by and he says, I mean, consider the bird. You know, the bird's not um, working hard and saving, investing and balancing their portfolio and yet they've always got enough to eat. He says, look at those flowers over there. He said, you know, they're not shopping at the right, uh, you know, the right stores and, and wearing the right brands and all of that sort of stuff. Yet look how incredibly beautiful they're dressed. God looks after them. God looks after the bird. God looks after the flower. Well, God loves you more than those things. So, you know, what stands to reason, God's going to look after you. Jesus is giving us everyday images to remind us that there is an all-powerful God that cares for us, that has our future in his hands, and that's the basis for living without worry. That's it. There's no trick. There's no gimmick. There's no book to read. There's no you know, magic prayer, magic words to say. There's no special song to listen to. Jesus wants to open your eyes to a God who is already at work in the world around you. It's like Jesus wants to kind of take off the blinders and help you see that there is a God standing right next to you at school, that there is a God sitting right next to you at work, 
that there is a God uh, right alongside you while you're looking at your finances on the computer and thinking, oh my gosh, how's this all going to balance out? God is in control. When people's phones randomly go off in the middle of church. Perfect. We should have organized that. But that's it, isn't it? Like, I mean, I'm not joking. We didn't organize that. But it's a great, like, life throws stuff at us, you know? And that happens, and all of a sudden, there's someone in the third row going, Oh my gosh, my phone's making noise, and everyone's looking at me, and everyone else is like, What's going to happen? Right? That's actually a perfect example for the way life goes for most of us, doesn't it? You know, we're in the middle of things, it's all going, and then something happens, and all of a sudden, panic and worry and stress. And this is exactly the moment where Jesus wants to say, Right in that moment, there is a God who knows you and loves you and is in control. I know that's a silly example. It's just a phone going off in church. But do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> what Jesus is trying to do is to change your perspective. Right? When Jesus thinks about worry, he says, what we need to do... A lot of us think that to, to get rid of worry, we need to change our circumstances. You know, and so we come to God and we say, God, if you change my circumstances, I won't worry. What Jesus says is, what's more important than changing your circumstances is changing your perspective, changing your thinking. Because he says, there will always be circumstances that will make you want to worry. There will always be things at school. There will always be things at work. There will always be things going on in your home, in your relationship, in your marriage, in your health, in your finances. There will always be things that if you look at them with the wrong perspective will make you want to worry and stress. And so Jesus doesn't want to talk to you as much about changing your circumstances as he does want to talk to you about changing your perspective, about changing your mindset on worry and stress. Jesus wants you to see how big God is. He wants you to recognize that God created everything, that God is in control of everything, and that there's nothing that happens around you that God doesn't see and that God doesn't know. Which is sort of easy to say, but how do we change our mindset? Because some of us have been living with this mindset for a lot of years, you know what I'm saying? Some of us are like, well, you can say that, Matt, but, you know, and I can think about that when I'm here in church and it's all good, but when I go back to my job, when I go back to school, when I step back into my marriage, I want to give you three practical tips um, that can help you, uh, you know, kind of a biblical practical tips that can help you change your perspective on worry. The first one is this. Some of us need to empty the trash. Some of us need to, to empty the trash. What I mean by that is some of us need to reduce the amount of, of worrying input that comes into our mind. Some of us simply need to put less negative, stressful, worrying stuff into our mind in the first place. The writer of Proverbs says that the discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. The New Living Translation uh, translates that verse this way. It says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. 
Friends, too many of us are feeding our minds on trash. Too many of us, uh, quite simply, have too much stressful and worry-inducing thoughts. We're allowing too much of that to come into our minds in the first place. And and the, the first thing that a number of us need to do is simply unhook, unhook from constant negative news. You know, when I was a boy... You got negative news once a day at 6 o'clock when you turned on the TV and you got the 6 o'clock news. But you can get negative news now 24 hours a day, can't you? You can just open any social media app. You can open almost anything on your phone and you can see news, which is usually negative, let's be honest. You can see negative news 24-7. And many of us do. Some of us need to... uh, I'm not anti this, but some of us just need to put the phones down. Some of us just need to make a decision to say, I'm going to get off social media. Some of us need to allow the social media algorithms to work for us rather than against us. But what I mean by that is, now you probably know this, but um, you know the way all of these social apps work, which is that they will feed you more of what you look at and you search for and you like. You know that? Right? So if you see something negative, if you see you know, more negative news about COVID or this or that or whatever, if you click on that, if you like that, if you comment on that, then, then those social apps will think that's what you're interested in and they will put more of that stuff in your feed. If you click on positive things, you know, if you see a positive quote or a positive story or something fun or peaceful, or joy, if you click on that, if you like that thing, if you make a comment about that, do you know what more? Do you know what you'll get more of in your feed? You'll get more of that. So actually, while often we say, "Well, social media is a bad thing," social media is not a bad thing. We're using it in a way that is turning it into a bad thing. Does that make sense? I have a friend, and the only thing that she posts on social media are positive quotes. Right? She must be, you know, she must have. Uh, a bunch of positive... You know, she likes these things. They come into... And all she uh, shares on social media... Any time I see her name, I can look at that thing because I know it's going to be a positive, uplifting, engaging quote. Might be something from the Bible, might be something from somewhere else. Social media doesn't have to be a bad thing. We don't have to demonise this. And go, oh, it's a terrible thing. We can use this to bring positive, uplifting, engaging things in our mind or we can use it to bring negative... That's our choice as to how we use these things. Some of us need to spend less time with negative people. Some of us, quite simply, are, are around people, are around people who bring negative stuff into our mind too much. Now... I'm not talking about, well, you know, I'm married to that person. Uh, I'm not talking about that. Um, Don't look at the person next year. I saw that. (laughs) I'm not talking about shutting people out of your life. I'm just talking about making a deliberate decision in your mind to say, you know what? There are some people I need to spend a bit less time with. There are some people that I need to text less often. There are some people that I need to engage with less often. Often. And instead, I need to make deliberate decisions about engaging with people who are going to be more positive in my life. I can choose to sit next to this person at school, or I can move and choose to sit next to someone else at school. 
Some of us need to unhook from constant negative news, spend less time with negative people, and change the conversation with some people that we are around. Because the truth is, sometimes you can't get people out of your life, right? You know, sometimes they are members of your family or they're people you work with and, you know, you're being sat at this desk and they sit next to the, you know, they sit in the desk next to you. Sometimes we can't change the people around, but you know what? We can change the conversation. That'd be really personal with you. I've got a couple of people in my life. I'm not going to know. I've got a couple of people in my life. And if I ask them this question, if I ask, how was your day? Do you know they'll always give me something negative? They'll always tell me about the problems in their day. So do you know all I have to ask them? I just have to ask them, what's a good thing that happened in your day today? What's the best thing that happened? Because they've got a good thing, right? And I'm not knocking the people. I'm just saying, we just know some people like that, you know? Right? We can change the conversation of people we're with. Instead of asking someone, did you see the increase in COVID numbers today? We can ask them, did you see that they found Ernest Shackleton's boat at the bottom of the Antarctic? Did you see that? So it's so cool. I showed, I showed my family. My kids were like, Dad, you're such a... It's so cool. There's a boat, right, that's been at the bottom of the ocean for over 100 years. Ernest Shackleton, famous Antarctic explorer. If you've got no idea what I'm talking about, go and Google this, right? No, this is so cool. I can see it. This is so cool. This guy is a, an Antarctic explorer. 100 years ago, his boat sank in the Antarctic. An old, like, you know, big sailing boat thing lost in the Antarctic for 100 years. And only last week, some explorers found the boat. And because it's been at the bottom of, a, of freezing cold water where there's no bacteria or anything, this thing is pristine. Right? It doesn't look like an old, you know, you see these boats, it's not all covered in rust and barnacles. This boat looks brand new. You can still see the, uh, you know, the wheel and the chains. Anyway, I'll move on. <laughs> but... You can see, yeah, exactly. But anyway, you, you see my point. You can have a conversation about that with someone, all right, which is positive and interesting and engaging, or you can talk about negative stuff in the news. We can all make that choice. First thing some of us need to do is to empty the trash. And the second thing we do we need to do is to fill the tank. Empty the trash and fill the tank. Putting less negative things into your mind is only the first part of the process. We need to make an intentional decision to fill our minds and our lives with things that are positive. Apostle Paul was an old man uh, when he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi. We have a copy of that letter in our Bibles. It's called the book of Philippians. Paul's an old man. He sees a lot of things in his life. Um, and he's, seen, he's been through some ups and he's been through a lot of downs. He's had all sorts of pain and struggle and hardship in his life. When he writes this letter, he's in prison. It's a pretty good reason to worry, isn't it? He's actually in prison, literally. Yet listen to what he writes back to the church in Philippians. As an old guy in prison, he writes this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, for a prayer and petition, that means asking, or a prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, better than we can possibly imagine, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. 
Now, I don't know what your social media feed looks like, but my guess is for lots of us, it doesn't look much like that list of words. I don't know what your inbox looks like and, you know, the string of conversation that you've had with friends looks like, but my guess is for many of us, it doesn't look much like the words on that list. I don't know what your browsing history looks like. I don't know what your YouTube recent list of views look like, but my guess is for many of us, it doesn't look like many things on that list. Now, I'm sorry if I'm kind of, you know, getting up in your grill a bit, but some of us need to make really deliberate decisions to fill our minds with things that bring us peace and hope and joy. And they're decisions that we can make. We get to decide what we click on. We get to decide what we watch. We get to decide what we listen to. We need to deliberately fill our minds with things that bring us life and peace. We need to empty the trash. We need to fill our tank. And the third thing we need to do is practice, practice, practice. If those of us who are sitting here in live church saw my wife, Roz, uh, playing piano, and I don't know if you've noticed when Roz plays piano, but she can play the piano without looking. Have you noticed that? She can look over here and play. She can close her eyes in worship and still play and the notes all come out right. How do you do that? Well, there's all those notes, all those little things. How do you press the right ones without even looking? You know the answer, don't you? It's practice. She started playing the piano when she was five years old, or six or seven, I can't remember, I wasn't there. Uh, she started playing the piano when she was very young, and she's practiced every day. Hours a day, practicing scales, playing pieces, really basic pieces to begin with. But practice, practice, practice. You know, and she practiced in high school and she went to university and practiced some more. And now for her, it's just automatic. She doesn't even think about it. She can just, you know, see the dot, you know, all those dots on the page, the music. She can just see the dots and her fingers just go in the right place because she's practiced. It's become automatic for her. She doesn't need to think about where does the left hand go and where does the right hand go because she's practiced so much. It just happens. She has trained her mind to make those things automatic. And we need to do that with God in our life. And the best way to do that, just about the only way to do that, is with the Word of God, the Bible. That's why so often we do it in this church and we so often say, it's just so critical, it's just so valuable to spend time every day in the Word of God, every day reading the Bible. Because the Bible's the only place in our life where we find real, independent, trustworthy truth telling us about ourselves, telling us about God, speaking into our finances, speaking into our health, speaking into our relationships. And spending daily time in God's work is like practicing the piano. Right? When you do it for a day, nothing will happen. When you do it for a week, not much will happen. Maybe when you do it for a month, you know, you'll start to see a little bit. But over time, that kind of thinking, you know, the word of God in your mind begins to become automatic. Does that make sense? Like a piano. Over time, then when stressful things, when worrying things uh, come to you, it won't be worry that fills your mind. What will fill your mind? 
the Word of God, the truth of God. That's why this thing's so important. Like Rosa's mind just automatically controls her fingers. When she sees a new piece of music, she doesn't need to think, right, where do the fingers go? Her mind just knows how to respond because she's practised. When, 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 when something new, something stressful, something this hasn't happened to me before, here's a new problem at school, here's a new problem at uni, here's a new problem you know, with my finances or my marriage or whatever, your mind will just know where to go. As I said before, there's no tricks, there's no shortcuts, but there is a way to move from being overcome by anxiety and stress and worry to being an overcomer. And Jesus says it's about changing our minds, it's about changing our perspective on worry, on stress and on anxiety and on the world around us. We need to empty the trash, slow down the amount of negative input coming into our life, we need to fill our tank, fill your minds with things that bring you joy and hope and love and peace. And we need to practice, practice, practice. Spending daily time with God in a way that gets the truth of God into our mind so that those responses become automatic for us. And I don't need to tell you how powerful it would be if we could start to grasp and to see some of this stuff take root in our lives, do we? I mean, there are people in this room who know, when we took, remember we talked about one in four, there are people in this, in this room who know how debilitating anxiety and stress and worry can be. This is not a joking issue, is it? You know, this, you know we, we joked about you know, a phone going off. But, but there, are, there, there are real things to worry about. And there are people sitting in this space, there are people watching online who, who have real stress, real genuine worrying issues in their life. And Jesus doesn't, this isn't about diminishing that. This isn't Jesus saying, don't worry about it. Not like that. This is Jesus saying, you don't need to worry about it because there is a God who is in control of all things. There's a way to overcome that sense of worry that you feel in the midst of those challenges. There's a path to peace, a path to joy and life and hope no matter what's happening in your life, no matter how challenging the things are that come to you. 